0: Let's do it. All right. We are live. Back for another Big Hunt Guys podcast. Got myself, Brady Miller. We got Chris Neville and Trail Kreitzer. And we're going to talk about Nothing But Daylight, a little film we just came out with. You guys went up to Alaska, did some bow hunting for caribou. Mm -hmm. Had your brother, Josh, there. Had Luke Mm -hmm. Duesenberry filming. Sounds like it was... uh, (laughs) Quite an adventure. Can't beat Alaska. It's the best.
1: It is good. The ultimate. Every time I go up there, I think, why do I not live up here?
0: So what was the... uh, How do you guys get started on the idea of going to Alaska first? Just like try something new? You wanted to go on an adventure or just cross up the bucket list? I feel like that was you that started that.
2: Yeah,
1: I've been a few times. I mean, I've been up and hunted moose, and I've hunted blacktail on Kodiak a couple times. And I think I probably... I can't remember if it was you or me, but one of us put a bug in the other's ear and said, hey, we should go up on a caribou hunt. And, I mean, I've always wanted to hunt caribou. It's been on my bucket list forever, So, like since I was a kid, you know, Mm -hmm. just such a cool animal and, uh, you know, icon really. It really is. Big, big giant hook antlers. And, I mean, I love antlers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think they have the, uh, I think I said that in the film, but, like, you know, largest... uh, antlers per body ratio right Mm -hmm. of any yeah any any ungulate. so anytime you can have you know big
2: giant set of antlers i'm I'm intrigued i just wanted to go to alaska
0: just Um, wanted yeah that was your first time in alaska ever right
2: not my first i I did like an alaskan cruise with my family but nothing no no (laughs) was that (laughs) similar i don't recommend there's a lot of old people on those cruises (laughs) it was cool though you go and look at all the glaciers yeah okay (laughs) okay but yeah, never never been up there hunting. Man, I'm holding back
1: so far. I, like, I just want to jump in and just really explore what this <laughs> cruise in Alaska was like. It's just like but. in
2: the other cruise, you have different stops. You spend a couple of days in different towns in Alaska, then you go around different glaciers. Yeah, that's funny. A lot of old people. Well, yeah, I'm not a big imagine. cruise person. Boats, the, uh, boats are kind of boring.
1: Yeah, I hear you. This is better, a better adventure. Oh, yeah
2: way better <laughs>
1: yeah i I mean alaska is like you know the last frontier right yep. kind of cliche but i it really is i mean just the opportunities up there are so vast and the the landscape is so incredible i mean it's once you go up there i mean it's i don't know your first time up what was it what was it like do you just are you just itching to go back oh yeah yeah i wish
2: i was going back this year to do something in alaska
1: yeah i remember that feeling too after the first time i went up just The the wildness of that landscape and just the remote, so remote and being out there on your own, it's, there's something to it. It's real magic. It's, it's magical. It really is. It's
2: like, it reminds me of what it'd be like going back in time, Mm -hmm. you know, see going into these places where like animals everywhere, fish everywhere, like how the landscape was meant to be Mm -hmm. before humans were here, just plentiful animals everywhere. Yeah. We did see a lot of caribou.
0: A ton and it's cool because over the counter mm-hmm. so it's a really cool thing to start planning on one of those if you don't draw any tags or you just don't have the points that year like do something different plan an alaskan adventure
1: yeah those we um we, we flew into anchorage and landed and you know we had justin schaefer buddy of uh Remember josh that works yeah, over at KUYA. josh's buddy um they kind of worked together he was nice enough to pick us up and put us up for a night in his garage and it set out cots and we spent a night there. We had a a early morning flight the next day. Um, but yeah, I mean, we just went down to Sportsman's warehouse and bought our permits just over the counter.
2: And I will say the Alaska hunt you do plan obviously further in advance. And to me, like the hardest part was logistics.
0: Yeah. I want to dive into logistics because I remember we were at the old office when we shared a little office together and you were constantly on the phone with, I don't know what it was, the flight people, transporters, just logistics of how to get the gear up there. Like walk me through all that stuff you have to do ahead of time. Cause you're not like you just like throw your shit in a truck and you just Mm -hmm. go somewhere like we do here. Like it's a lot of planning.
2: Right. So I think first you got to figure out obviously what type of hunt you want to do, what time of year. And I'm just looking through my emails. The first time I made contact with like a transporter trying to figure out what our plans were for the fall, that was in January 11th. Wow and this hunt was in August, so there's yeah, almost that much, here. yeah, in advance of planning. And then a lot of it's just figuring out the transporter. I mean, you can get to Alaska on normal airlines, it's from there, finding a transporter to take you to a location to where you wanna hunt or areas that you can't hunt.
0: So did you guys then figure out where you kinda wanted to be dropped off or did you decide to navigate with the transporter first and they have the guidelines of where the caribou kinda are gonna be or how does that part work?
1: A lot of that's going to be dictated by where they can land. So um, I had some spots picked out. Uh, I talked to some some friends that had been up there before, and they'd had some ideas where where they had hunted and, and they'd been successful. And I had those points on a map. But uh, when you get up there, I mean, a lot of it's just going to be dictated by where hunters, other hunters, have been dropped and like what's accessible. Because I know. Like when we were there, a lot of the the runways that he could land were actually underwater because right. they they'd had a lot of rain. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, yeah, I mean, I, I had spots picked out, but we ended up he he ultimately dropped us where right. yeah where he, he thought. Yeah, because I mean, it spot.
2: depends on how many hunters were in there before you. Because mm-hmm. he was messaging me a lot when we were out there. Like, are you guys still seeing a lot of caribou? Because oh, well. then he was probably planning on bringing more people out there after. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they're putting you in spots that there's going to be animals. I mean, yeah, you they, have a ton of area.
1: Yeah, they, they can't guide you. So a transporter can't guide you. They can't give you, you know, intel. They can't say, hey, I'd head that way. You know, it, it really is just we're going to meet you at the airport. You're going to load all your gear in a plane, and we're going to take off, and we're going to drop you off, and then you're there on your own for however many days you're, you're booked, you know. Um, so it's it, you're not guided at all. It really is. I mean, in, in that instance, it's a drop camp. They're yep, just going to drop right. you.
2: And I think we – so here our logistics plane-wise getting up there was flew out of Vegas, Flew to Seattle, Seattle to Anchorage, and then usually your layover in Anchorage is like a day or... Can be. Yeah. 13 hours, 14 hours, so you have a really long layover in Anchorage, so you don't fly out to the next day usually. Mm -hmm. And then from Anchorage, we went to Kotzebue, Mm -hmm. and then our transporter, that's where their air hangar was, was in Kotzebue, and then we got on the transporter, which was a tiny Cessna plane, and and then flew... what. Yeah, probably it's like 80, an hour. Yeah, hour, ninety flight.
1: miles, something like that. Kind of, kind of north. But I would say, yeah. One thing. I mean, we, we were lucky in that we landed in Cots and we got on the plane the same day. Um, I, I I think it's it's not entirely uncommon where people land in Cots you and then they end up staying a night or two nights or three nights well. before yeah. they can actually get I a flight I would. Out. Def-
2: I I was always telling people, and I, I heard this before going this hunt. You got to bank for a couple of days on the front end of the back hunt, back end and the front end of the hunt with weather delays and stuff like yeah. that. Like you could spend two days in Kotzebue waiting to get flown out to where you're going to go hunting, and it could be the same on the way back. Which in our case, yeah, it was.
1: Yeah, I've never gone to Alaska and had things go you know, according to, to plan as far as like, I'm going to show up on this day and I'm going to return on this day. It just doesn't happen. The, the weather days are just so sporadic.
0: So that jumps me into a question, even though probably jumping ahead, but like, do you plan for a return flight right away or do you pick up a return flight after your hunt?
1: Yeah. So that's one thing I, in, in previous trips up there, I had bought a round trip. So I'd paid, you know, bought, you know, flight up and a flight back. And I think that was a mistake. I, I think the the better route is to book your flight up and not book a flight in return. Because unless you've, you know, unless you've got some sort of deal with your airlines where you get free cancellations and, you know, changes yeah. in your flights or whatever. But for me, I think it's smart to to just kind of hold out and wait and then book a flight when you have a chance to actually get back into, you know, civilization. You can book a flight back. Yeah, I mean, it'll save you some headache. I've, I've, I've done it both ways, and like I said, the times that I've booked, you know, return flights, it's stressful because you're sitting. For example, I was sitting on a boat in Larson Bay going, well, my flight was supposed to have, you know, left in an hour or whatever. I'm oh, am wow. you're gonna, still in the bush. Yeah, I'm going to miss that. So then I'm trying to, uh, you know, schedule a flight or potentially schedule a flight back and trying to work through, you know, satellite messenger, whatever it is. But it's it's a hassle. It's just stressful. In my, in my mind, it's really unneeded. Like, just, just wait, hunt, have a good time, figure it out on the way back
0: did you guys try to do any deals with your flights? Like get the old Alaska airlines credit card and do those like companion type flights. And my brother, he
2: did that for this trip. He got an Alaska airlines card, which I think I would recommend to people if you're going to do an Alaska hunt because you're essentially getting enough rewards once you sign up that you can have a free flight back up to Alaska exactly. if you want to go back up there again. Which
0: and you could even probably use that credit card as your like hunting app credit card right. and just pay it off that way. The annual fee yeah. and all that stuff make it worthwhile.
1: For sure. And I know a lot of people that do that. I'm not smart enough to do that. I know that it's out there. I just haven't done it. But okay. you're, you're right. That is the best way to do it for sure. You get free miles. And your, and your luggage price free, right? right. Like, you, you have a certain amount of luggage that you fly free if you have a, an Alaska card and you book your flights through Alaska.
0: So, let's talk about luggage and gear then. Mm-hmm. Since you just talked about that, like, how did you guys figure out how many bags you're going to take, the weight of every single bag, you know, what, what the strategy is there? Because I know we were talking off the podcast a little bit about some bag stuff. Like, what are your, what do you guys kind of do in that route?
2: Yeah. So, I don't know if every transporter is like this. Like, our transporter, I mean, we've know people that have went through these, so we knew that, like they're a legit transporter, like they have yeah. their stuff figured out. I don't know if they're all the same or not, but they sent us documents that told us exactly how much weight we can have per person, all the gear that we, they even supported like gear lists, oh, just like good. random stuff that you should consider to bring. But yeah, ours was it's the plane that we're on was 700 pounds that it could handle. So that's 700 pounds, there's two people that go on the flight, and then all your gear. And that's your weight included, too.
0: Oh, your body weight?
2: Yeah. So it's your body weight, so two people's body weight, and then all their gear has to be under 700 pounds.
0: Yeah.
1: And I don't know if this answers your question, but in terms of gear, there's really, like, two ways of looking at it. You can either, you know, pack your gear and pay the shipping, you know, the the fee, the baggage fees when you go to the airport Mm -hmm. and just travel with your luggage up there. Hope it makes it. Or two, you can look at options of actually shipping your luggage prior. So like midsummer, you know, May, June, July. Yep. Get, get your luggage together, you know, put it in some crates and, and shipping it up to the transporter's address. And then when you show up, you know, your, your gear's there.
0: And for the most part, they're cool. They obviously know you're going to go through their service. So they're cool with like storing your gear for a little bit.
1: Yeah, we, we didn't do that. We just traveled with
2: ours and paid the baggage oh, what, fees. What was the... So to ship crate, you have to be a
0: licensed mailer. Oh, that's what I remember you on the phone with doing that. Yeah. So a lot of this
2: stuff, obviously you have to do this well in advance. You have to become a licensed mailer, which takes a couple of weeks, and then to mail your stuff up there takes a couple of weeks. So you have to have all your gear dialed in, like a month or so, if not more, in advance if you want to ship it up to Alaska. We were procrastinating. It was like. Two weeks before the hunt i'm like hey i'm trying to ship crate up to you guys and they're like well you're not a licensed mailer you can't ship crate hmm. and i was like well how long does it take to become like a licensed mailer it's like well it's easy you fill out this application but the application might take a week just to get qualified mm-hmm. to be a licensed mailer and then to ship your crate way up there so we just took all of our luggage just put it on the plane which which worked out yeah i mean you run a risk of
1: potentially you know losing something which yeah. would suck um but, I mean, it, it worked for us, and you do pay baggage fees. I mean, we I don't know what we paid, probably 300 bucks or something, I would say. I was trying and, to think of how many bags we had each. And baggage fees. I mean, I had my bow case, which had, you know, my sidearm and my bow and, you know, arrows and those kinds of things. And then I think I had one other piece of luggage, which had... Uh, just like extra clothing and that kind of thing. And then in my backpack is like my carry on, which I always carry, you know, the things that matter most to me, which are my optics. Yep. And then I usually carry one full gear setup. So, you know, base layers out to, you know, insulation pieces, boots, just in case there was something to happen and I lost my luggage that I would have like a full set of gear.
2: So you were doing that as your carry on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stuff. So so you, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I did that as my carry on.
2: And then, um, You would have had your your bow case? Yeah, I had a bow case, a rifle case. I had a 150-liter outdoor vision bag that I threw all my gear in that. Besides, like, my optics and stuff, I think I did the same thing as Charlie. I kept all, like, my important stuff carry on with me.
1: Mm -hmm. And I think in the one bag that I had the extra gear, I think we also had the tent. Did we have a food bag? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we may have had one more each, because we, we had the tent, like a full tent, we're all sitting here in the Sky Dome. <laughs> Sky Dome six person, Stone Glacier tent, which is what we used up there, but we had that in one, you know, dry bag and then we we had one bag that was just full of food and I think that's the bag that I had my additional equipment and then my my rations of food and my food I pa- I packed that out just like I did for any you know backpack yeah, every I, every
0: day yeah I had that
1: a day of food you know per one gallon mm-hmm. ziplock and I had those all just done
2: yeah I, I think Trill and I really did our normal backcountry setup mm-hmm. like it wasn't too much different and I think that's when we figured out after being in Alaska and being soaking wet every single day, we're like, probably could have brought some more gear. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so, like, like gear in terms of terms of food or gear in terms of like more rain gear, more for sure.
1: Food, we can get into that if you want later. But for, for sure, food and then uh, yeah, I mean insulation pieces. I would have uh, because you're gonna get wet. Yeah, y- y- you get wet. You know, and you, you you almost need, like, a full change of uh, clothes because you're you're going to, like, for us, we didn't really have enough sunlight or warm weather to, to really dry pieces out. So we were just basically using body heat in the tent or, you know, like a stove when we were cooking dinner at night to try to dry some stuff out. We had it hanging on a line in the tent. But, yeah, you almost need, like, a full set of gear beyond, like, the one day just to, to have dry clothes. Mm-hmm.
0: And then in, in terms of, like, when you're bringing your gear up there, do you guys – obviously use like dry bags, duffel sacks that are kind of waterproof for throwing in the plane or.
2: Yeah. We just had, we have a, we had outdoor vision, Mm -hmm. 150 liter bags for tents, food, just like our, each of us had like a big duffel bag for our random gear and like our clothes that we'd wear throughout the trip.
1: Yes. We used a a backpack, like I said, for my carry on, which is my, my stone glacier pack, which I think I took a sky 5,900, I think. And then, um for dry bags we, we took these outdoor vision duffels and they're just a, a waterproof right. um you know plastic style duffel that you yep. see guys take to Alaska because they're you know they're watertight mm-hmm.
2: yeah and they were great yeah it all all was pretty good
0: and then what's the other question I have obviously I've never done this so I'm asking some random questions that probably seem easy for you guys now but once you got to the spot where you guys are going to fly out into the tundra what is that process like? Are you guys actually standing on a scale with your baggage to figure out exactly what you weighed and then throw it on the plane, or did you kind of already have the idea from a previous thing because you're waiting and so you have to go through that? We're there repacking anything? stuff.
1: Yeah, so I I kinda had a heads up that the turnaround on those can be really quick. So you might show up um, you know, from your flight from Anchorage to wherever you're headed and they may say hey you need to be fully loaded in the plane in the next 20 minutes oh, so wow. that's like everything ready to go because the turnaround times for those guys is everything i mean those bush yeah, pilots, short, window. yeah short windows weather windows um you know and they're they're trying to get people out and back in so like they're really juggling a lot you know so turnaround time for them is really tight so Um, For me, that's why I did all my food that way. I mean, it was all pre-packed, ready to go. Um, My bow, in my bow case, I mean, essentially all I had to do was, you know, grab the stabilizers, grab my dozen arrows and, you know, and go uh, the, our main bag, like the tent, it was all packed, ready to go. Pretty much everything that I had was like ready to go so that when I landed in cots, I could throw everything on a scale. The only thing I really did was change my clothes, you know, cause yeah. I was wearing some travel clothes. Um, but yeah, that's essentially how it is, is you throw everything on the scale. So both of you throw all your gear on the scale that you're going to go, they weigh you, you stand on it and they say, yep, you're good to go. And then you basically just throw that in the back of the plane and Right. load up. Yeah. <laughs> I, think I
0: think that's really good advice too because like part of me was like oh maybe you guys had like a normal piece of luggage and then while you're there you're quickly repacking again but you said the turnaround so tight that that'd probably be a bad idea yeah. to not have things dialed ahead of time so you can just go.
2: And there was a lot of people that had their crates like they're going through the crates so essentially they had all their stuff there then they're repacking it hmm. which took time and yeah like I would recommend this is my personal preference if I was going up there again I would I would get a big enough duffel where I could fit everything in there, my backpack, my gear, my food, everything in one giant duffel. So when I got there, take it, put and it on the scale, step on, get on the plane. And yeah. you might
0: not really then care about overweight baggage on your earlier flights. You're like, it's no. just is what it is. Like you have to just You're going to be overweight. Yeah. You're <laughs> Most <be> overweight. likely. <laughs>
2: yeah. No doubt. You're not going to meet you, that
0: 50 pound. No, though.
2: you're going to be overweight. No doubt. Yeah. I mean,
1: you could show up and you could have a weather delay and spend two days in town and have all the time in the world to reorganize and organize your gear. And you could show up and they might say, you need to be on the plane in 20 minutes. I I would say, be prepared to turn and burn, Mm -hmm. you know, because ultimately that's what you want anyway. Right. Like once you land in cots or wherever you land and you know, you're there to go caribou hunting. Yeah. You want to get out there. Yeah. You want to get out there. So if the pilot says, Hey, I've got a weather window. Let's go. You know, yeah. you, you want to have everything ready to turn and burn. So I would <laughs> say plan that way. Yeah, because if you if you don't
2: make that weather window, it could be another two days. Mm. Three you days w- where you you're make sitting your <laughs> somewhere, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah, you don't want it to be on you that why you didn't get out there because you didn't have your gear mm-hmm. and the,
2: and the, So on our trip, there's four of us. And there's two people that can fly. So we had to do two different flights. He dropped them off, came back and dropped us off. So we put as much gear on the first flight. It was trail and our cameraman and a pilot. And then we put... A, as much gear as we could. I think it was like 600 some pounds. And then my brother and I got all of our gear on there and we weighed it and we we're like 300 pounds. they are like, yeah, you, you have 400 more pounds. If cool. you guys want to bring anything else, I'm like, where's the nearest liquor store. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. that's, that's why if you see, people have watched the film, I have, there's like a, a rack of Coors Light. <laughs> it's cause I went to the View liquor store, which was, Unlike any liquor store I've ever been to in my whole entire life.
0: were not you saying you can only buy, like, one
2: case at a time or like, a 24-hour period or something? Yeah, I had to get, like, a a drinking permit to buy booze. And it's, like, this (laughs) literally some guy's shed that he has, like, just liquor filled up in there. But they had it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so we were underweight, my brother and I, since we put as much stuff on in the first flight. Like, we were 400 pounds under. So we yeah, went, that, was, that was smart. You load up
1: that first flight with everything that you need. I, th- I think essentially the only one of the biggest difference, we took the tent, all the all the tent and all the food, right? So that when we would get out there, I could set
0: the tent up before you guys landed. But yeah, you want to make sure you probably do that. that my next thing yeah. is like, so the, like you guys could essentially land and let's say you didn't have your tent and then the weather window got bad. Sure. And what are you guys going to do? Obviously, that should be a definite thing. You yeah. want to bring your tent, want to bring stuff so you guys could set it up. Yeah, make sure I, you're all I, thought,
1: I thought that through. I thought, you know, if we go out, I'm going to take the tent and the shelter and, and food just in case, just like you're saying, I've been there enough to know that like you can get stuck out there. So we had, I would say that for sure. If you're going in on two flights, make sure that the first guys out have shelter.
0: (laughs) Yeah. How is it flying with a, uh, a
1: sidearm with your bow? Is that pretty easy? It's actually pretty simple. I, I would say every time I've ever done it, it's actually easier going from the lower 48 to Alaska than it is from Alaska coming back. Um, I almost missed, I went on a moose hunt up there a couple years ago and I almost missed my connecting flight from Anchorage back to, to Vegas because of a sidearm and, and them having to check it and everything. But it's actually a pretty simple process. You just check in, you let them know that you've got a firearm. You obviously have to have it locked up. You have to have four, you know, TSA approved locks. Um, I just locked mine in with my bow in case. The bow case mm-hmm. okay. Yep, put it in there. Um, your ammunition, I think, has to be in a case. Yeah. Um, you know, clip out and everything. but Mag- based- Magazine? Mm, magazine, yeah. Come on, try Yeah, what did I say? <laughs> clip. Yeah, my bad. Anyway, yeah, you just... You just uh, roll up to TSA. They'll have somebody will come out. You hand them the keys. They take it back. They check. You know your sidearm. Go through it. Everything, and then come back. Give you. A rece- you know it's a, essentially a receipt. And yeah. and you take it and
2: run with it. It's actually pretty simple. Yeah. And then we just brought one rifle for four of us. We figured to save
0: weight.
1: Yeah. We I don't. Were, I don't
2: know why we would need. Yeah, we had three bows.
0: Yeah. So Josh, tr-
1: Josh had a bow. Chris had a bow, and I had a bow, and then we brought oh, one rifle.
0: Mm-hmm. And then he had two sidearms. Right. Um,
1: I had a sidearm. Did you have a sidearm? I had Brady's. Oh, we had three then. Josh had a sidearm. <laughs>
0: okay. And then any any uh, like pepper spray? Yeah, I had bear spray. I yeah, didn't you, take... But you had to buy that up there because you can't fly with that. I think know.
2: the transporter
1: had
0: yeah, some. Yeah, so actually. our
2: transporter had all of our fuel canisters. So Because obviously you can't fly with can't fuel fly canisters. With fuel okay. So once we got up there, they had fuel canisters that we could get. What else did we get? Oh, bear spray. They had bear spray for us if we wanted some. And that was free. Like they just...
0: I'll hand you to like take make it and bring it back yep. yeah
2: and then the fuel mm-hmm. canister so like Cheryl was saying you get to the hangar and it's kind of a scramble. it's like hey you got 30 minutes we're we're flying out we're gonna make this window and I'm like all right I think I told Josh is like get fuel canisters like get two big bigger propane tanks to like cook on we had a jet boil like half gen stove yep. and then do one small one for each of us we get out there <laughs> we had two big fuel canisters and two small ones and I'm like, I don't know if that's going to be enough. <laughs> yeah. We were a little short on propane. We were short
1: based on the amount of days that I ended up out there, kind of on my own. I was I was pretty well out of fuel by
0: the time I, yeah, I took we should, off. We should dive into that one later. I want to I hear that little story.
1: I'm going to stop us real quick, so let's clear cut right here. This is something you're probably going to want to cover as soon as possible.
0: Oh, wow. Breaking news on the podcast, yes. What is
1: it? Yeah, corner crossers cleared of all charges in Wyoming.
0: Uh-oh. Uh-oh, is that going to set a precedent for everything else? Probably. Here, can you, can you yeah, s- let me send this to you real send quick. To you.
1: Sorry, I thought... I no, know, breaking news, I- we're all going to
2: Wyoming to hunt.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's um, a good thing to jump on the podcast while we're talking about do this. Do you want me to text it to you? Yeah, you can text it to me. So while we're doing that... Uh, what was your first impression, Neville, once you landed off the plane and you're out in the middle of nowhere and you're in caribou country? Like, what's the, what's the feeling in your thought process like? It's, you're out there. So excited. Just jacked.
2: It's like you're a little kid on Christmas morning.
0: It's Christmas Just morning. like
2: everyone's giddy, happy.
0: Do you you guys guys like see any caribou on the the way in to get yourself jacked up or any bears or moose or anything? Yeah, when
2: you're flying, you see... When you're flying, I mean,
1: the scenery is just absolutely stunning. It's incredible. You're flying over these giant braided streams and rivers and, you know, big conifer forests and open tundra. And it's just big. You know, the day we flew in, it was big blue skies. Just absolutely stunning. Just stunning terrain. I mean, Alaska is gorgeous. So, I mean, before you even land, you're just like... Overtaken by expansiveness, yeah. I don't. You've never. You never feel so small. I don't right. think. Like you. You feel your. You just feel your 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 size, you know, because the landscape is so incredible. But we did see caribou. I probably saw. I don't know. I saw one group of probably right. two hundred. I um, mean, for
2: any hunt that I've been on, like the hype leading up to it, I mean, you prepare for it or think about it for five months, and then you're flying in there. I mean, it's probably like the most excited I've been for a hunt and then as you're like flying across that landscape in that plane incredible
0: you're just sticking your phone out back to the window getting a bunch of stories like oh look at all this cool stuff send mom
2: yeah
1: yeah it is cool and it's it's also a little there's a little bit of anxiety because you don't know like what to expect i mean i remember probably for the first 40 minutes of flight you know i hadn't seen any animals and you're flying over just lots of tundra and you're like, man, I really thought I'd be seeing some caribou, you know, and then you start to pick out and you know, Oh, there's mm-hmm. some caribou, there's some caribou. And then you're starting to really like gather that sight picture and then you're starting to see them all over the place. And then, yeah, it does build, but I, there's a little bit of anxiety yeah. too.
2: Yeah. I would say too, because like, you don't know exactly where you're going. So like we're you used to looking on our maps, you have a decent idea of what the terrain's going to look like. Mm-hmm. We're just getting dropped off in the middle of nowhere never looked at this place on maps
0: Yeah, it's kind of like when you are out
2: there with our bows we're like god i hope there's some terrain where we can get into range i was gonna say that like when we landed uh on this bald
1: knob you know it's kind of on a ridge it's just a rocky bald knob and then you know it rolls off into tundra and then down into some some drainages but i remember thinking like how am i gonna
0: get close to one of these with a bow i mean i was like oh (laughs) good luck and, and then describe to me where you guys got landed because I know you were super jacked ahead of time. You did a bunch of research on little packable fish rods. How <laughs> disappointed were you?
2: Everyone tells me they go on these hunts and they're like, dude, you got to bring a fishing pole. You catch so much fish. I'm like, oh, for sure. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I went on Amazon, bought like a telescoping fishing pole.
0: It was super cool, little yeah. fishing pole. You had, had, b-
2: had a bunch of lures, yeah. everything. The spot we get into, no fish, no lakes. Just tiny, I mean, the rivers were tiny, like no fish were in them, zero fishing. Yeah, I
1: didn't see any fish. I think a lot of those lures are still in the cardboard pa- plastic package that I bought them in. But, yeah, no no fish whatsoever. Damn it.
2: <laughs> I really wanted to go <laughs> and fish. I will
1: say, like, we were, we were, in that regard, you know, a, a bit of an, an anomaly because I have talked to other guys that have gone up there where – you know, they had a river that was a sizable river close to camp, and those guys were catching fish and they were hiking like on off days when they didn't feel like caribou hunting, yeah. you know, to lakes and, and catching fish. So,
0: you guys had none of that nearby. We had none, none of, of that, that. man.
2: We, we were kind of up on a knob, a hill. We're on top of a goddamn mountain. Like, I mean, of course, you get there right away, you're excited. Like, you don't care where you're at, you're out in Alaska, it doesn't matter. Then, once the hunt starts, we're like, shit, we have to walk down hill and then every time we come, back, time to we come camp, back to camp we always have to walk up this mountain yeah we had
1: to gain i was, was probably 800, 800 feet maybe yeah. maybe more to down to water on either side of the drainages
0: yeah mm. all right so one thing i had so you guys landed you know you have all your gear there you have your tent up like w- w- i know there's some laws in alaska you guys fly and landed you've seen some animals like what's when can you actually start hunting once you actually land you can't i don't think i don't think you can start hunting right away like what's the logistics there
1: yeah, you you can't hunt until the next day, and I think legally it's like 3 a.m., you know, the next day.
0: Uh, had, she has some downtime and a little bit of, uh, like, you guys are all jacked up to go hunting and you can't do anything <laughs> yeah. kind of thing.
1: Yeah. And I mean, they, they do that. So they, I mean, most places in Alaska that you're going to hunt, you're flying. Right. And so you, you do have the advantage, if you will, of, you know, flying a landscape essentially on your, on your way and, and looking at animals out the window. So they do that to, you know, just fair chase so that you're not cruising around, looking for animals and landing and, and shooting them. So in that regard, it makes sense to me. It's a good, it's a good law. Um, but yeah, we, we landed, I set up the tent, kind of got camp established. And then, you know, I set up my, my chair and I was glassing and the caribou ran right across from camp, just straight mm-hmm. out the gate. I think by the time you guys had landed, I'd already seen some bulls. Yeah, and yeah, you can't hunt them though. Just, just
0: teasing, yeah. Just, just teasing. Watching.
1: Luckily, they weren't very big. I was slugging beers. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't very big. I mean, there was a group of what we see that night, eight maybe. Yeah, weird look. I said shooters. <laughs> They look. I mean, when you when you don't know what you're looking at, I mean, the first ones that pop up over there that look pretty good. You're like, oh man, is that a shooter? Is that? Yeah. A, so, know?
0: so in regards to that, like, did you guys have an idea of what you were kind of looking for ahead of time? Do you guys like look at a bunch of photos? Like, hey, this is what a respectable caribou looks like, or you just like don't care, just have fun, or a combination?
2: I was looking at photos, but I still didn't. I yeah. wasn't. I wasn't like too. I didn't like spend a shit ton of time. Like, God, what's a this score of a caribou? Yeah, I mean, exactly. I looked at yeah, I like. This is what a good caribou looks like. You're looking I, for tops? I, I You're looking up,
0: for fronts? You're looking yeah.
2: for... I looked up, like, how do you score a caribou? I didn't even know how to, like
0: that worked. It's actually very complicated. It's one of the harder ones to score. Yeah,
2: I mean, I think a big bull caribou is like
1: 400 inches, right? Similar to a bull elk. I mean, I knew that. I, I put a number on it. But as far as, you know, what a bull would have to look like to get that, I mean, obviously shovels, double shovels is, mm-hmm. you know, and then, you know, big bads. But for it's, me, I was just, I just wanted a bull to look... Not you know,
0: it's like whatever excites you, you're gonna go after. It's like if I see a you know, an average size mule deer, but the cool adventure and it's like a cool place to go stock it, I'm gonna go stock it. It's like that same thing. Uh,
2: uh, Wasn't uh Schaefer telling us about he's like if they have big C's in there, yeah, big, big, big long beams. You look
1: for big, you know, big full C, Mm -hmm. uh, if you will, if you can picture the shape of an antler, the way it curls back forward, and then you know, tops, you know, mass length, obviously off those tines, you know, the, the and, and the shovels, I mean, the width of the shovel, the points that come out, I mean, all kind of comes into play, but I mean, I, I wasn't worried. I didn't think about score at all. (laughs) I, I, honestly, I couldn't tell you. I've never, I've never even researched since I got home what mine might score. You know, I, I wasn't worried about it at all. I think, I think for, you know, I think if you've done it multiple times and, you know, your ultimate goal was to try to kill the most mature animal you could. I think that stuff would probably become that much more important to you. But for us, I think the biggest motivation was just like the adventure in it, mm-hmm. you know, spot and stock caribou hunting and you know i did want a bull with with nice tops that you know. was kind of my my goal but
0: and then, could, then what time of year was this and how like obviously, are going to be in velvet probably in august like mm-hmm. so you had almost the entire time you're there so it's a guarantee you'll probably shoot velvet bulls right yeah it At was like time?
2: august 18th i think our trip was like the 18th through the 28th is what we had and i think i got back on the uh, second
1: first or second of september so i think we flew out the 18th and i think i got back september first or second but yeah. that was that was kind of the time frame. But yeah, they're they're mostly in velvet. You know, towards the end there, while I was in, in kind of in camp by myself watching bulls, I was seeing multiple bulls that were dripping velvet. But, okay. Um, yeah, I you know we we should have stripped ours off straight away. I mean, they were okay. other than Josh's Josh's. I would say the velvet on Josh's was pretty pretty good. Let's let's dive into that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you know if you haven't watched the film, you guys should watch it. They all tagged out on you know awesome caribou, but. What do you think? Do you guys think you did it right, in the sense of your? I mean, we, I know what the debacle was when you got back here. Maybe explain some of that.
2: The thing is, too, everyone told us just take off the velvet; it doesn't matter. Like it, it's not going to make the trip back, even if you do try to save it. Like there were people like squirting their velvet with all that double mm-hmm.
0: yeah, the, the velvet lock, it, and, yeah, and all
2: that stuff. And everyone tells us, Priors, like you can try as much as you want; you're not going to save the velvet. But for some reason, we didn't listen. I think maybe it's because we were. Stranded out there for so long, we just said, put it in a box and ship it back. Nope. So what happened is when we were shipping it back, it got hung up in Anchorage for like three or four days. Mm-hmm. And then then to ship all the way down to Vegas, I got it, arrives to my house on a crate. I have everyone's bowl at my house. I open up this crate and it's just maggots. <laughs> <laughs> maggots in the velvet. Pro- probably didn't help we were shipping it to Las so Vegas. so bad.
1: Yeah, yeah. September second in Las
2: Vegas, or se- middle of September in Vegas, oh it's still God. over a hundred for sure. <laughs> and like you, it's just in a cardboard box. Yeah. It wasn't anything special, just a regular huge cardboard box with all the antlers. Like obviously, you split the skull cap so you yep. can fit them in there. Just covered in maggots. I mean, Luke's bowl was
1: pretty well, you know, coming apart. Like that bowl was you know, the velvet was definitely, it was, it was close. So that one we definitely should have stripped right off, but it, you know, that's not my call to make. Um, my bull, Chris's bull, Josh's bull, the velvet was actually in pretty good condition. And I think, I don't know. I mean, you kind of know that you should, but you've got this beautiful velvet bull yeah, sitting probably there so pristine, perfect. Yeah, pristine looks perfect. I'm just, you know, I'm enjoying taking it all in, you know, and, and we did split the skulls, which is another thing you might add. You know, just for shipping purposes, split the skull plate and, um, you know, kind of laying them over on each other. But, yeah, I would say <laughs> if you're going up there, just peel the velvet off. Just and, take it off. <laughs> and ship it back. Get
2: fake velvet.
1: Either that or just mount them hard horned, you know, if you're going to mount it. I mean, too, you, like, they're sitting
2: around camp, too, for a while. Yeah, you have t- You have the time. Oh, I had yeah. all kinds of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, That's all you yeah. do is sit in camp when you're in Alaska. Yeah,
0: so... You- Maybe walk me through, I don't know if you want to go through the hunt, some of your days, or just kind of talk about the days you guys killed. Like, walk me through some of that. I know, like, the beginning of the hunt was kind of a little interesting. You started off hot. Yeah. Walk, walk (laughs) Walk me through that good day.
2: First day, couldn't hunt, obviously. So, I guess, like, our real first day of hunting that we could actually go out, went a couple hundred yards behind camp, see some bulls, start walking a little bit further. Then we see, like, four or five, like, really good bulls way off in the distance probably what are you too, talking
0: distance wise probably four miles yeah and tell me how hard it is to get over there i know in the film Tundra it was sucks. brutal
2: Tundra you, you, you'd the rather worst. go up
0: a steepest mountain ever yes and on solid all probably solid take mountain.
2: you about the same amount of time too
1: yeah you'll never really be able to totally like explain it to somebody unless they've done it i was i was trying to tell my kids the other night they watched them the film but Essentially what you've got are these furry basketballs, right? So they're, you know, vegetated... Hippie heads is what they yeah, call them. they call them, them they're... hippie heads, but they're, <laughs> they're, you know, vegetated basketballs. And then in between those basketballs, you have, you know, the, the actual ground. And the ground might be it might be a foot, it might be two feet lower, and it's spongy, you know, itself. So you've got to kind of make a decision as you're going along. Should I try to step on each event, each individual, you know, fuzzy basketball? and try to skip across that? Or should I go in between, you know, and just kind of high step it across the terrain? And you can't ever get like a good momentum of doing either. So you're constantly like stepping on the top of one and slipping off of it. And then the next foot's going down in a hole, a foot and a half or two feet. You're just, it's, I think I told Neville, I said, you're what it feels like to me is like, you're constantly in motion of falling one way or direction. So you're just Sounds constantly. Sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, it's it's a ton of work. Walking across. Yeah. I just it's
2: like a marsh. If you ever walked like in a marsh, where it feels like like there's water underneath the surface, falling in holes, breaking through. So yeah, if you see
1: something at four miles, I mean, I figured, I think I took, I kept track one time and it's like, you're you're covering like a mile and a half, an hour maybe, something like that. So you're not going very fast. Mm
0: -hmm. But the
2: other thing you have on your side is you have time on your side because it never Mm -hmm. gets dark. Yeah. You have 16, 17 hours of daylight. Nothing but daylight. (laughs) <laughs> nothing but daylight i
0: know you work up
1: a good sweat by the time you get over there you're oh, melted. Sure.
2: but yeah when we got over there it was we had four bulls and like where they were at we we're kind of underneath the ledge we had to come up on top of a ledge and they're feeding up there they're bedded at the time and we thought well, this would be a good opportunity to go yeah.
0: see if we can't get a
2: stock on with a bow so then trail my brother the plan was we'll send them up there do a stock.
0: How'd you decide who gets to go first?
1: Josh had spotted him. Had oh, spotted yeah. the group, and so we kind of gave him first crack. And then there was a, a bull in that group that I really liked. Like he had real big, long, you know, tines on the top. He was a super cool bull, and so I, I really wanted that bull. So I think when we got over there, you know, Josh was like, "Let's both crawl in there, and you know, we'll both try to try to make it happen." Because there was a different bull that he liked. He had a bull that had like a real white cape you know Mm -hmm. real white mane he really liked that bull so that was kind of how it worked we ended up crawling covered i mean josh i should say josh neville's brother josh is like (laughs) stealthy (laughs) i mean the guy can crawl faster than i can probably run dude
2: he looked like a little snake in the sand just low as fuck to the ground just crawling through the grass
1: i never seen anybody crawl like that guy like i couldn't keep up with him I was, like, trying to keep up, trying to keep up. What's his
0: technique? was he, like, putting his bow on his back? Is he just moving it forward with him? I'm like? trying to
1: even remember. I think he had it in his hand, but he Man. was just kind of, like, throwing it out ahead of him. I could, not, I could not understand how he was moving as fast as he was. Like, I was working up a sweat, crawling, trying to keep up with him. But, yeah, he covered so much ground. But he – we got up to this little – kind of a little, you know, a little tree, a little tuft of vegetation, and kind of peeked up, and the bulls had just stood up and started to feed. And I think they were – you know, 85, 90 yards. And, uh, you know, I'd asked him, what do you want to do? And he was like, you know, we need to cut the distance. And there wasn't, there's was no way that you're going to crawl up on them. And they turned and kind of started to feed like back kind of a half moon to our right. And I thought maybe they were going to feed by to our right, but they were just never gonna you know get closer and then when they cleared this little hump of vegetation that we were hiding behind like the only concealment we had you know i think one of them picked us off and they started kind of you know trotting off and then that's when i motioned back to neville and said hey get the gun let's go get the boomstick let's yeah. do this yes
2: yeah, so we had the rifle with us and i mean we just wanted to get one down first day yep our cameraman luke had a had a tag too so without, that was
0: nice you guys
2: this would be a good opportunity for him like Let's get one down right away, then we don't have to, you know.
1: And it was a good group of bulls. There were some nice bulls in that group.
2: Yeah, so then he shot one, dropped it.
1: Yeah, and I was sitting next to Josh, and Josh is just like, where's that gun?
0: (laughs) Where is that gun? Instantly just went from being a bow hunter to being a rifle (laughs) That's why the hard part of bringing a rifle and a bow at the same time. Instantaneously.
1: Where's the gun? And I was like, oh, dude, would you i think i said to him hey would you would you shoot you want to shoot one with a gun you'd shoot one with a gun he's like yeah where's the gun wish i had that gun so i <laughs> i turned and motioned to these guys and i was like bring the gun so they yeah, came neville luke, came trotting
2: up and the funny part like i thought i was recording the whole time because luke gave me the camera and i was filming but i accidentally hit record again so we had we have no footage of this Was that but your like, job being a yeah, camera guy right you think being director yeah, yeah. yeah. And the funny part was when Luke was running to give Josh a gun, I bet you he fell 20 times. Oh my God. And it was 50 yards of tundra. He had to go across. He was just tumbling. Those hippie heads everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. He was a little excited. Yeah. Then we had
1: two down first, first day. Yeah, both of them both, of the, both the fellas made great shots. I mean, just abs- one shot, one I mean, just 300, hammered a, 300, that, 300 wouldn't make that me. gun.
0: Has shot so many critters over the years. <laughs> that
2: thing was undefeated on that hunt, couldn't be stopped. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tipped both of them over just quick. And then, yeah, you've got two dead caribou on the first day. What was it? What was the yardage? No, it doesn't oh, matter. 200. Two close. Yeah, I close. think I remembered. Uh, Luke's was like 105 or 110 yeah, something like really that close. and then Josh I remember being like 235 yeah
0: it was it still easy to set up in that sort of train with the bipod or did you guys shoot off a backpack so I know should, I really they really both shut that. off
1: bipod yeah they're, bipod? they're still able to work through that yeah prone yep shooting okay. up kind of uphill yeah. at, at an angle Yep. and they um like I said both of them make great shots easy easy rest you know caribou are curious yeah So you know, you shoot one; they they may not know what's going on completely, and they might not just completely take off and clear country. They hang around.
2: Then we had to pack them out, and that was yeah,
1: walk through that. Yeah, that sucked. That was a bad pack out. I mean, it took I don't know, Josh and
2: and I feel like we didn't think we're as far away as we thought. Obviously, we're like, oh, I didn't ever think like, oh, this is going to be like a really long way back until we started doing it. I'm like, this is going to take forever. Yeah. I I felt like it was going to (laughs) suck. I thought it was going to be heavy, but I didn't think it was going to be that long. I thought it was like a two-mile hike. Come to find out it's a four-mile hike. Well, I was just thinking about time. You know, like I thought
1: about the time that we left the tent from the time we spotted those bulls to then the actual time that we shot those bulls. And I'm thinking like going in reverse with a, Mm -hmm. you know, 80 to 110-pound pack, (laughs) this is not going to be fun because, I mean, we were hours getting there. Yeah. So it, yeah, it sucked. I mean, it took us a long time. My Chris and Josh broke um, broke the one bull down, and then you know I broke the other one down, and finally got everything loaded, caped out his bull, and got got everything put in packs. And I, what time was it? Do you think we started off of there to like head off like five, maybe? Yeah. Five or six. By the time we actually started headed down. Yeah. And uh, it was starting to. Sp- it kind of been raining on and off. And, yeah, and we, we figured we'd drop into the bottom. So we dropped into the bottom, hit the hit the creek, and we started using it. We went up it a ways. And then, you know, we got to a point where, you know, we're looking at our maps. And we know where camp is. And we think, oh, if we just hit this ridge and cruise up it. And we just kept hitting, like, fall summit, fall after, summit. Fall summit oh, after fall summit after fall
2: summit. Never ended.
0: And yeah. you guys have to pack full-on quarters in Alaska. All the ribs.
2: Yeah. Yeah, so you can't debone the meat. Can't
0: debone. Yeah, Luke
2: had...
1: A whole bunch of camera equipment he had like you know you camera geeks you guys have all these lenses yeah. and stuff so i think i had two, his two hind quarters and a front no i had two fronts a hind quarter back straps tenderloins and his cape oh, wow. <laughs> and my gear you know my scope yeah it was over it had to have been over 100 pounds it was it was
2: lousy size of a caribou i remember we we're like how big do you think a caribou is when we got there
1: yeah i would say it's like this like a spike elk Really? It's it's
2: between uh, you know an adult
1: bull a bull elk like an eight nine year old bull elk and then like a mule deer it's like that halfway point so mm-hmm. I would say it's bigger than a than a big muley yeah about a spike elk I'd say yeah wow big mm-hmm. big enough it sucked
2: yeah big enough it sucked. and you well, are, so you're,
1: you're you're taking all the meat yeah. so you're cutting out rib cages you're taking quarter whole Oof. all the loose meat
2: neck meat all the bones that's what I was pissed about yeah. <laughs> why yeah. can't I bone this out <laughs> <laughs> don't want you wasting any meat.
0: So that was, then what's the law though? Once you get back to camp, can you start cutting off that quarter to eat? Nope. You can, you, only, you can only technically eat the back straps or tenderloin. Y- yeah.
1: You can't, you're not supposed to bone anything out until you actually get back to like, you know, civilization. So yep. back to when we got back to the transporters place, so they have an air hanger and some tables and stuff. You're actually start to, to bone things out. But yeah. And when you're in the field, you can't bone anything out. Hmm.
0: No nope. can't even take a little sliver off there. Well, we a little took, bit of, yeah, we
1: ate back straps and tender lines, but yeah, yeah, hind
2: eat. quarters, front quarters, ribs stayed intact. Hmm. Yeah, then then we had a lot of shitty weather weather after that. hmm
0: Sitting in the Tent sitting in the sky dome, like we're doing right now, sitting in the sky dome, hanging out. And I thought that was really cool. You guys, uh, you obviously, you must have brought a bunch of peacock. Is That's why you guys had that little dry line inside yeah. the, the tent going. That seemed like that was essential, right?
2: It never, it never dried it, but yeah, we, we At least it's it a <laughs>
0: illusion in your head that you're right. drying stuff out with that little stove in the middle. It was dry we, No, earth. We didn't have a stove. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, your cook, oh, cook yeah, stove, yeah.
1: yeah we, we took a kick, a cook stove, just like a little half gym. Nothing dries in Alaska.
0: Is that why Trail always had his bare feet just hanging oh, out? Yeah. In the tent,
1: yeah, because my socks were always wet. Yeah, boots are always wet. And you're hanging your socks up, and
2: you know, I had some extra socks, but dude, I brought one pair of pants, <laughs> dude. I was, hunt- I was used backcountry. I literally had the same backcountry gear list I have on a Wyoming elk <laughs> that I do in Alaska. I did bring two pairs of pants, Smart. I had one pair of pants. I'm like, well, I guess I'm just gonna be wet.
0: <laughs> you could just wear your rain pants the next day maybe
1: yeah i mean somebody somebody told me a long time ago when you're hunting alaska it doesn't really matter if you're wet or dry because you're always going to be wet what matters most is that you're warm so warm and wet is is this kind of what you're going for but i mean we we were damp i would say the whole time oh yeah for sure
0: man that's crazy
1: yeah you can't you can't help being a little bit wet but we yeah, I mean, having the stove in the tent, just your body heat, it, it would dry out. I would say it didn't ever get completely dry, but it was drier the next day.
2: And then with us sitting in the camp all the time, I did have this, I wrote down a list of stuff that we should have
0: brought. That's always good. Right. I think that's one of the essential things. While you're on the hunt, figuring out what gear you maybe brought with or what gear you missed. And one
2: of them was more reading material and more and an iPad with movies.
0: I, <laughs> iPad with movies. <laughs>
2: yeah we didn't have
1: any anything to watch I did bring one book uh, I wish I'd have brought some more books and then we we had uh, what one download one Netflix show download. And that it. wasn't
2: even on purpose that was purely by accident you guys accident. watched the same show like hundred times we watched it one time I thought we watched it twice I think it was just once <laughs> <laughs> it
1: was the Bo Burnham uh... yeah Bo Burnham special on yeah, Netflix you should have
0: brought that CJ Box book we had bear hunting that I got know. you all hooked on
1: I bought a book in uh, Anchorage at the airport once upon a time in Hollywood
2: they had there's nothing, nothing a bunch there. of shitty books I thought I mean I, anything I at that I, point would have been great yeah so I would definitely bring more reading material stuff to do in camp
0: yeah exactly while,
2: while you're killing time because you're definitely going to have a couple of days where
0: so what do you, you guys do when you're just sitting in this tent with a bunch of dudes <laughs> Nothing. Like what are you guys' conversations like? Do you guys d- dive off in like just anything? Like there's
2: not one thing we didn't talk about. <laughs> you name it, you guys we solved every
0: world
1: problem. We oh talked about God. everything. We talked just, about, just trying to pass the time, huh? How we talked about we how bad stories. I need a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> we talked religion. We talked all kinds of stuff. I mean, we we dove into everybody's deepest, darkest.
2: I'd never been more excited to be like, all right, I think we better go down the river and get some water.
1: <laughs> yeah. We did take breaks, run down and filter some water and get camp water. You just
2: eat. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that and that was another thing I have on my list. Bring more food. Bring more food. Yeah, Trill no. ate all this food in like the first couple hours of the day. He's like, damn, I should have brought more food. Yeah.
1: Everybody I've ever talked to, there's kind of a sweet spot. You feel like you're definitely taking more food than you would on a normal backpack elk hunt, for example. So you yep. almost feel a little bit gluttonous, like, look at all this food I have. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, you get multiple days strung together. If you're stuck in the tent, you know, you're bored, you're eating, you're tired, you just, you know, burn 8,000 calories in a day hiking a caribou out. Like, you you want to eat and kind of replenish that. So I would say there's there's definitely, like, a sweet spot. You don't want to take too much, but you definitely want to take enough. Yeah. So, I mean, we took, you know, we tried to take some sides. We brought some potatoes and some rice. But, like, more of that kind of stuff would have been great. Yeah,
2: that's what I have on here. More cooking food, like, actual, like. Dehydrated vegetables would have been great. Yeah, some more that dehydrated. Some bacon, brick of cheese would have been awesome. Oh, my
0: God. Could you guys bring, like, canned beans oh, or yeah. that sort of stuff? Like oh, yeah.
2: Yeah, we could have done definitely could have brought more of that type of like ramen camp
0: cooking food because yeah. what was the one thing you guys cooked off the whole time that little jet boil yeah the half gen jet boil yeah How'd that a, work
2: it's a jet
1: boil half gen stove worked awesome yeah, yeah. it comes oh. with a little pan i mean we, we cooked back straps and, and
2: then we all had our own just like little stoves yep. for Yeah, you like coffee. For, and yeah whatever. coffee or
1: just watered if we did like a peak refuel yeah. or mountain yeah. house Most
2: dinners that's what we had just
1: peak refuel I think some of the best dinners we had, we did like a, you know, tenderloin or backstrap the one night we had heart. So we did heart and, you know, potatoes and that was pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, but you know, for breakfast and those kinds of things, like some bacon would have been awesome. Some eggs. Some cheese. I don't know <laughs> some if you're eggs in there, but hard boiled eggs, maybe.
0: <laughs> What's sort other of things on your list that you, your wish list maybe just run through those.
2: I, I'm pretty sure I made this with trail when we we're streaming it out there. This was on August 29th at 5 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> I have Alaska stuff we should have brought more cooking food, iPad with movies, more reading material, more clothes, mm. pop out plates and bowls. Yeah. More booze, more mixed drink stuff, tobacco, <laughs> <coughs> judo tips. All gluttonous things. Oh, yeah. Judo oh, tips yeah.
0: would have been really good. Judo
2: tips because we did have, Trail brought a couple of judo tips. Yeah, but
1: we broke them off pretty quick. You were shooting just stump shooting, you know, yeah. like you know bushes and stuff yeah. like that, but it's pretty rocky underneath, so you're yeah. constantly busting points.
2: And then I had more fuel and then more charging bricks. Oh, yeah. Because towards the end, we were running low on power source.
0: And it kind of mm. rained almost every day, so like a solar panel is not probably going to cut it up there. We, right? had,
1: we had a solar panel. We all did solar panels. just like, oh, didn't work that power. well. I mean, it worked good enough that we got some, but not well it's enough. It's never sunny there. Yeah, it was never sunny. It's always overcast. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what was the one thing that you said? Not judo tips. Um, pop out plates and bowls. Pop out plates and bowls. Yeah, we, that would have been great. We ended up just eating mostly out of our own, you know, coffee mugs.
0: Yeah, but yeah, those little we, foldable things yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah.
1: those would have been
2: great. Yeah, just just a cutting cutting board would have been pretty cool. Yeah, we were just. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cause that's we did get a water jug from the transport. Yeah, we did. They gave us a big like thing water c- jug. So we're just cutting right on top of that.
0: What about bringing some like soup? That would have been great, or something like that. Oh my god, like like some night- hot and hot and a lot, you know? Yeah,
2: some broth. Some
1: of those ramen bowls would have been phenomenal with some steak. That would have been great. And some like Root. cream, cream Root. mushroom soup would have been awesome. We straight
2: packed like it was a backcountry hunt. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we did have the one night, didn't we have? Didn't we bring some cream and mushroom soup? Yeah, and we I had one can. I think we did one, one or two cans of that, and we did like a like a beef stroganoff type, you know, with some steaks. And I think that night we ate till we were sick. Like we ate a lot. Yeah, that was really good. We yeah. ate well up until the point where, you know, I we were, I ran out we're of food more basically. But, <laughs>
0: hmm.
2: mm-hmm. but yeah, we sat in the sat in the tent for some shitty weather for a couple of days. Had one decent day, but then they were seen just caribou far off and trail mentions this in the video like you were saying that the caribou probably know after a while that you've hunted you know a half mile around your camp there's a landing strip like that's where all the hunters hunt
0: yeah all your the caribou so, kind of blacklisted that yeah, as so the, avoid the caribou
1: it. start to know that we were seeing caribou around camp i would say but they weren't you were seeing cows and calves and small bulls like there was definitely the bigger bulls that we saw the mature bulls were at this you Know, brink, kind of a brink around, around it, which was about four miles, I would say.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, you guys should have set up like a scarecrow way out some distance, to like yeah. trick the caribou. I was hoping they'd come back to you, but maybe that wouldn't work that yeah. well. Yeah,
1: I mean, I did see the very last day I was there on my own, I saw a couple of really nice bulls just right out of camp. Um, but other than that, I would say every you know, big mature bull that we would have wanted to hunt or kill was quite a ways from camp.
0: So it become, like, difficult then, the thought process. Like, every day you had to go further and further. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the day after we killed and packed those two out, the next day we stayed in camp. The day after that, we didn't see hardly any caribou, and it was probably the best weather day that we had, mm-hmm. which was a bummer because, like I said, we didn't see that many bulls uh, at all. And then the day after that was the day that he and I both killed.
2: Yeah, and that's when we got smart. and We're like, all right, let's just stick to the
0: river bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like the river bottoms. Yeah, save on time and effort. Yeah. And
1: yeah, just solid ground. Just peel off. It was so nice just to have solid ground under your feet. Yeah, so just peel off, hit those creek bottoms, and and they're super rocky.
0: Do you think logistic wise, you guys could have brought like a little spike tent set up to maybe like go out and try to camp from it? Or? You could
1: have. We th- we talked about it. I yeah. think I
0: noted it. Like I, if you could you could bring a bivy
1: or a you know like a one man tent, like an Enon or something like that, and spike out if you felt like it. Um, I don't know how people would feel about bears, but out there, I I would do it. It wouldn't bug me any. Right. I think I would go out and not worry too much. But you guys didn't have a fence around here, right? No.
2: No. no, we didn't have a fence, and we had the bear meat right by us. We, bear meat, yeah. <laughs> <A> bear meat. <laughs> it was bear meat. Yeah.
0: yeah, we had bear bait. So we it, had it, the
2: bear it, bait like, next ex- to us.
0: Explain that, because I know we got a comment on YouTube, and you answered it really well. Explain your thought process there about like where you guys kept the meat and the tarp over it and that yeah. whole thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I. I don't want to lose my meat to a bear, right? I worked really hard to get that meat back and I want to take as much of it as back as I possibly can. So for me, I, I'm more concerned about losing my meat and bears up there get hunted. I mean, they're not like bears in Wyoming or Montana that don't, don't get hunted where they hear, you know, a gun go off and they're like, Hey, there's dinner bell, right? I mean those bears up there they get hunted so they know it f- for the most part of it, I would say that like they're they're familiar with hunters and they know that you know hunters mean danger so for me I was a lot more concerned about losing my meat than you know potentially having a bear actually try to get in my tent or whatever so I mean if a bear comes into camp and I've got my meat cache right there I mean he's gonna go to the meat cache first right so he's not gonna like come and try to get in my tent and at least if it's close enough I have the chance to like haze that bear you know get it out and, and try to scare it away and and I'll deal with it at that point. But that was my thought process. You know, I would rather, I'd rather try to harass that bear and get that bear out of camp and, and keep my meat than than worry about a bear actually
2: coming into my tent. And it was, it never, never really bothered me. Like I wasn't ever like scared of bears, but.
1: Yes, yeah, because we didn't have
2: one coming to camp. No, but like some people, you know, some people, some people go to Alaska and like yeah. they're so worried about bears. Like that's all they think about is like grizzly bears, you know. Yeah, I mean. We, it we, wasn't like, I was like, oh my God. There's going to be a grizzly coming into camp. We saw five bears. We saw
1: two boars and a sow and two cubs. The closest one we had was just right across camp, maybe six, 700 yards. And, you know, certainly that bear could smell. I'm sure that bear could smell the meat, you know. Um, But, we, you know, we never had a bear in camp. We talked to people in the hangar when we went back. We flew back in that had issues with bears and we had one guy tell us that a bear had was on was it on the meat?
2: Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: And they, they couldn't get that bear off. I think he ended up losing some meat to that bear. Um that was the other reason. I mean, partly part of the reason we tried to get as much meat out as we could. I mean, obviously Chris's bull. I didn't think at that time in the day that we could get his bull and my bull out. But we, you know, the decision that first day when we killed two bulls, it was like, Yeah, let's take everything and just get it out of the field as soon as you, you possibly can. But Yeah, I was just more worried. I'm more worried, I guess, about losing my meat than I am about having a bear actually get into my tent. (laughs) Troll wants to
0: die by a grizzly bear. (laughs) I mean, it'd be a cool story. (laughs) Why? Oh, that's the dog just, yeah, knocked that off completely. There we go. I'm back. I'm back. Had Piper come in here? We had a dog come into the tent. (laughs) It was safer than having a bear come into the tent. That's right.
2: Yeah, that's the other thing. If you got your meat cache
1: just outside within earshot, I mean, that bear's going to go to your meat cache. He's not going to go into your tent, whereas I feel like if your meat is, you know, 300 or 400 yards down the the ridge, I mean, they'll probably go to that too, but, like, I feel like just happenstance, you may have a bear come in to check
2: out your food in your tent. Plus, you have all that human scent around there, you know? Like, we've been walking around. It's like when you leave, if you put your meat 300 yards away, it's like you're giving them a present. Like, here you go, have it. Yeah, and I I'm just
1: not I mean, I'm concerned about bears. I'm more concerned to be honest about grizzly bears in the lower 48 than I am Alaska. I mean, Alaska, That's at least they get hunted up there, you know? I mean, we we shot a bear that time I was in uh, hunting moose, but um I don't know. I just I, they're different up there. They they get hunted. You know, right. whereas these bears down here, they don't yeah, they're more they don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they don't They don't even equate a hunter with danger. Mm-hmm, you know, right. they think, hey, this is just food for me, right? Whereas up there, those bears kind of know, I think, to stay yeah. away. I mean, it's not like you're not going to have some trouble. You probably could for sure, but...
0: No, I, I like that explanation a lot. I think that clears things up because it's yeah. like it's something you probably don't think about, but once you explain it, it makes total sense to me about why you guys did what you did.
2: Mm-hmm. There was a couple times when I'd like have to take a piss in the middle of the night. <laughs> well, I mean, it doesn't really get dark, but... yeah. I'd walk out there and I'm like peeing and you remember like, God damn it. All that meat's like 10 yards behind me and you just kind of slowly turn. You're just like waiting to see a giant grizzly on there.
1: Yeah, I think there were three times. There's those times when you go out in the middle of the night to take a, you know, take a leak. And then there's the, like the times that I left to go on a stalk with my bow. And then the time that you left to go on a stalk with your bow, both times we dropped our packs and you know, headed off with our bows. Yeah. Didn't even think twice.
2: You know, I'm not used to like, oh shit, I should probably have some like bear sprayer gun with me. Yeah.
1: yeah, and I would say definitely don't do that. Like, you know, that's that's what happened to me when on my moose hunt is I'd left my pack and we did get in a pinch and I would have been in real, real trouble had yeah, you know my buddy situation. not had a gun.
2: So don't walk out with you know walk off without your sidearm or your bear spray. No. Yeah I was carrying bear spray around a little bit, Brady, without your gun. But then they started making
0: fun of me. <laughs> I mean, that's why i gave you the gun so then i carried the gun around something mm-hmm. i'm just glad that gun ventured off to alaska it's been that's in right. montana wyoming it's a cannon idaho now it's been to alaska
1: yeah it's a it's a real cannon that gun i think it would do the trick if you could hit something with it oh we're shooting it, it shoots good oh nice. <laughs> i know yeah
0: i like that I'm audio clip that uh that didn't make it in the film, right? No, but it was pretty funny. Like, uh, like you hear a little scene, like someone shooting the gun. Then would you say, like Neville, like, oh, Brady's gonna be pissed. Yeah. <laughs> one, yeah. Thing, one thing I told Neville because, like, the ammo shortage. Everyone knows the ammo shortage yeah. right now.
2: We took we took some desk desk pops. Yeah, we're just <laughs> making sure everything was gonna be working just in case. Yep.
0: And Neville made the thing. Yeah, Brady's gonna be so pissed. You burn all his ammo.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm glad you shot those Neville. That's that was right. smart. That was smart. That's right. It did you blister it my ears though. Yep. Mm-hmm. Walk me through your guys's your guys' hunt day. Your stock and all that good fun stuff.
2: That one was right, we were just in the river bottom. Yeah, we got up
1: in the morning, immediately hit the river, headed straight down, and then we were in the in the bottom and I glassed up on this hillside and saw one lone bull. And straight away we were like, Oh, that's a big bull, you know, it's a good bull and the happenstance. I mean, he batted probably within what, fifteen minutes of oh, us yeah. seeing him. And so he he bedded, and it was fairly early too. It was like ten in the morning. Yeah, pretty early in the morning, and and bedded. They don't. That's one thing. I mean, caribou don't stay bedded. No. <laughs> Typically, very long. I would say if you get a caribou that beds for what two hours. It's, yeah. You know, he's been there for an eternity. It seems like so. Yeah, I just he he bedded kind of on the edge of this little flat that was just up out of the bottom, and I had enough cover. It looked like to make a stock up. So knowing that they don't stay bedded long like I, I pretty well took off running like I, I ran probably you know jogged for probably a mile I would say and then you know made my way up the hill ditched my pack and then just kind of started to close the distance and it was nice because I had this little shelf that I could kind of use for cover and crawled up underneath it and just kind of worked out and started crawling belly crawling and belly crawling and just kind of that's one nice thing about caribou is they've got those big tops so those big tops kind of hang over, and right. you can see those above their eye line. So that was great because I actually saw his antler tines and tips, you know,
2: before. Mm-hmm. And so it was great. I could see where he was at. And and I think there's, like, from the video, you know, it kind of looks like we're out in the plain sight. But there's a lot of, you know. Yeah, little, a lot of topography. A lot of, like, gentle rolls that you can't see. That, that's, like, what Trail when he was going up on, you were just, like, below one, and he was.
1: Mm-hmm. He was kind of up on this little, little knob, but there was enough a roll there that he couldn't really, I was below his eye line, but I could see every other part of him, but you know, below I was below his eyes. So he couldn't see me. And that was as far as I could go though. I mean, anytime I would like try to make any ground on him, you know, he would kind of <laughs> give give me luck. But I mean, what the video doesn't show. I mean, yeah. I think I, I got into position where I thought I could make a shot before he stood up. And I think he was bedded. I think he stayed bedded for almost 30 minutes. Yeah. So I was crouched over like as low as I could possibly get to the ground, you know? And, some yoga pose. what it, I don't know what it is. Downward dog. Downward dog, dog. I was in downward dog for like a half hour waiting for that thing to stand up to the point where I was like, oh, man, my legs are cramping. And then he did, yeah, finally stood up and, you know, came to full draw and everything felt good. Shot went off, looked good, felt good, and just dropped in underneath him. Just whiffed. Just, <laughs> just whiffed. And I don't know. I mean, I don't. I still to this day, I don't know if I had a bad range just because when he was bad, all I was trying to get a range off of was the tops, tops of his antlers. Yep. Or if, you know, I was losing feet per second on that arrow because we had been hiking around and, you know, we've been in rain for days and, you know, my strings get super wet and I don't know if I dropped enough feet per second that I just dropped it underneath him. I was left to right, perfect, but just right underneath him. And so I thought, you know, well, that sucked up. <laughs> There's my opportunity. The I, thought he, I thought he hit it. Yeah, I like that part where you're like, Oh, smoked
0: it. Troll Absolutely it. Of course. <laughs> Tro comes a full draw, that animal's dead. Well, yeah. Uh,
2: well he had like this white he literally had like a white spot right behind his shoulder. And like right when he shot, like I thought that was like his fletchings and arrow going oh, in yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Nope. And he just started munching, started eating.
1: Yeah, he just went back to eating. And so I knocked another arrow, crouched back down. And like I said, I mean, they're curious. So he kind of just turned and looped. And he actually cut the distance. <laughs> he came closer to me, like feeding diagonally back towards me. So it worked out. Yeah, and the second shot was great. I mean, it was right where I wanted it. I remember, I don't remember. I probably didn't tell you. I I, I can't, I didn't text you. I remember thinking, trying to text you on my reach. But um. Yeah, I mean, that arrow hit right behind the pen, just just hammered him, so that was, it was good. He ran over and kind of went over into this bottom, like snuck in, and I actually shot another arrow at him at like 110 yards because he was on his feet. And I'm like, I got arrows, I might right. as well, I've got one in him, I might as well put another, yeah. you know? Yep. Uh, but then, yeah, he went over and just, you know, ass over tea kettle, went down.
0: Super cool. What was yeah. your first thought when you walked up to that thing by yourself there? Man, just... First time, yeah, obviously you've seen a caribou earlier, but yeah. like your own caribou now, like yeah.
1: Just humbled, you know, yeah. and and excited. I think at one point I said like oh, I can't believe I I can't believe I got one with my bow. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> I mean I could, but like because I think it was about that time, you know, after you went on that first stock and we've we've been hunting them for three or four days, like we started realizing like this is going to be a little bit tougher than we thought with a bow.
1: You're going to get chances to stalk them, but actually getting in range and as open as it is, is was more challenging than, it's You're, not It's not like you see these waves of caribou, at least for us, I didn't have these waves of caribou just coming yeah, by me, you know?
0: And they almost have to be in that perfect spot, too.
1: It was like a spot and stalk deer hunt, to be All honest, right. is what it was. I mean, you know, bedded and, oh, got to go, you know, and, right. and use the topography just like you would with, with the deer, use the wind, same thing. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, just just humbling, you know, and then it was cool, too, because I got to sit and look across the landscape and just, like, enjoy and take that all in. We had this beautiful braided river kind of working below me, and I got to sit and watch that, you know, while these guys worked their way up, and I'd, you know, go back and get my pack, but it was cool, because I had probably 45 minutes to an hour there just to myself to kind of take a That's always cool. Your
2: backdrop behind yours was... That was amazing.
0: Absolutely cool. are perfect. Those photos are so epic of trails.
2: yeah. That was pretty, pretty it was
0: sick. cool it was
1: cool. I was happy to see those guys when they made <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure, you know, made it up there, and we broke that bowl down and took the time to cape it out and everything, but it was I don't know, I love that part of it, you know mm-hmm. it's a lot of work, but it's also there's a lot of satisfaction in it and and to finally get one with a bow. I was like I don't know, I mean, I don't know how to say it other than just like it's something that you dreamed about since you were a little kid, and
2: then just to have that come to like full fruition, you're just like, jeez, this is incredible, yeah. Then four miles back to camp, <laughs> and it was probably from where yeah. we shot those other two, it was on the same ridge, probably just what 500 yards further down
1: from where Josh, yeah, 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 it was probably 500 yards. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. so it was
2: on that same same, ridge. same area
1: that was seemed to be like a kind of a spot for bulls. They seemed to feel like they had some refuge right there in that old mm. canyon.
2: Little did they know.
0: <laughs> I mean, they did until we <laughs> hiked out. We just had to work for them, right? Right. So you guys are sitting there, hiking out stuff, and you saw another bowl. Yeah, basically we're, what we're, happened. Or yeah. you guys weren't really expecting it, right? By no, any means.
2: we're almost back to camp. So we walked the river all the way, probably, probably like three and a half, maybe a little over three miles, and we just have just the uphill stretch where our camp's on top of the top of there. And Josh looked across. It's kind of like in this ravine and he saw one bedded there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was like that last break that you take before you have to climb the big hill. You know, you're like, oh, let's just take the packs off and fill We had to fill our water up since we figured we were there anyway. Yeah, and Josh threw up his binoculars (laughs) like, there's a nice bowl. (laughs) (laughs) And it was bedded. And we said. And it was bedded. And I was like, all right. And that was kind of. I think we decided like, man, if you if you see a bedded bowl, you got to go for it. Right. Because they just don't bed that often. And when they do, that's not that long.
2: Yeah, because we tried doing a couple of stocks where they're moving and, like, all right, we'll cut them off here. But just working across the tundra, they move a lot faster than you do across tundra. And There's, like, no, like, rhyme or reason in this landscape to, like, would pinch them down somewhere where you could, like, cut them off.
1: Yeah. Watching those things go across the tundra is so impressive. Like, to know how labored it is for me to try to walk across that and then to watch them, like, even the cow and calves, they just float. Gone. They just—they got these big splayed hooves, and they just, oh, my gosh, they go. They're so graceful as they go across the country. It's yeah, crazy. so we were,
2: once we funded better ones, you know, we're looking at it as our better opportunity to,
0: yep, smart.
2: to get one. So this one was bedded, and it, it was big enough for me. So I said, all right, here we go. <laughs> Walked up this mountain, <laughs> another mountain to climb. But mine, mine was in a pretty good spot because he's kind of bit. There's some more ledges on this one. And I could come around on the backside and come down on him. And luckily, he never.
0: So it was kind of like a typical mule deer stock in a way.
2: Yeah, he was bedded on the side of a cliff. I went up on the backside of that mountain, came up on top, and then went straight down on him. And he never, he never, well, I guess I didn't know this, but he did get up. Yeah, he got up. Yeah. I, I never saw that.
1: Yeah, I got up and then kind of re <laughs> bedded almost like a mule deer would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was. And he had two other caribou with him. That he let them feed off. Like, he let them go. Two smaller bulls, he just kind of let them feed off because there was times when I was like, oh, this gig's up, you know. Yeah, he's, he's, he's going to follow
0: him.
2: Yeah, he's going to follow him, but he never did. stayed bad. Yeah, because I did run into one bull on the backside. It might have been one of those, and he spooked and ran over. I'm like, God, I swear to God, if he goes down there and he like, spooks this other one, I'm going to be so pissed. I'm going to have to walk all the way down, put my pack on mm-hmm. hike up that mountain again. But, I mean, it was similar to trails worked in on him. And I was just going off the top of his antlers. Yep. Got in a good spot. I was like fifty yards. And I could just see. And I was able I was standing up. So like in the video, like it looks like it's like plain sight. Yeah. Like he could see me and I could see it. Cause I was fully standing and all I could see was the top of his antlers it's
0: also so interesting too the the footage you get from digiscope or the guys looking at the stock you're like oh yeah he's so close mm-hmm. like why isn't he shooting right now or why is he standing up like the caribou could totally yeah. see him but it's totally different
1: yeah or like in his case i was like oh he's not in range there's no way he's got to be 70 80 yards you know and you know he was 50 he just he just looked that much closer
2: yeah then he stood up and i didn't realize i was at that full draw that long
1: yeah, you had like, a full draw for a while. Like he was turned dead away yeah, from you, like yeah, quartering hard, and then he kinda of turned did yeah. a full turn back to where he was almost broadside.
2: Yeah, but like when I was looking back at the films, I'm like, damn, I was at full I I didn't remember it being that long. Like I remember him standing up, he was quartering away, turned, shot, I hit him. The first shot was a little back, but hit him and then he ran down. And I just moved over and it was another like forty yard shot. Hit him again. <laughs> It's my,
1: my favorite part of like the whole time is he hits him the second time, and the bull's kind of like running down the slope, oh, yeah. and Neville just like takes off running. He's I'm like, like paralyzed. He's
0: like paralleling this bull. You're not getting and away.
1: He, he's running. Like he looks like he's like in the NFL. He's high stepping, just cruising <laughs> through the tundra, and we were oh, Josh and I were giggling so hard because so I was like, oh look at him go. It's
2: yeah, funny. Then, and I knew I knew then like. I could tell because, like, he wasn't even moving. He was hunching bad. Like, I knew yeah. he was hit hard, but then I just shot him again, third shot. And that one hit him, like, right in the heart, and he just, yep. you
0: know, Yeah, dead. it went
2: down. What did you think when we walked up to you? Because I remember this. Well, I thought the plan was, oh, this is what we'll do. They'll, they'll empty their packs. They'll leave the meat there. Then they'll bring their empty packs. We'll take this meat, and then we'll at least take it to the bottom. Then we'll yeah. hike one up, come down and get the other one which that sounds like a pretty good sounds plan. Sounds like a great idea to me. They come up, no packs. I'm like, what do you guys do? What's <laughs> our plan here? All we got to handguns in hand. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> handguns out.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We sat, we watched him shoot it, watched it go down. I was just like, let's gut that thing. We'll just gut it tonight. We'll pack one bull out. Yeah. That we've already got them loaded in the packs. But yeah, the, I remember like the look on your face, like... Where's the thank, packs? <laughs> thank you for coming here, but go back and get your packs, boys. <laughs> and it was, yeah.
2: like, it was later.
1: Yeah, it was late. We were pushing dark.
2: Yeah. But it's like, like, by,
1: it was definitely by the time we got back, which I don't know. What time is yeah, it get dark up there? 11, like
2: 1130? Eight or so. Eight at night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then we got back down there. It was probably, well, I guess in the video, I think I say 10 o'clock. Yeah. So wow. after we gutted it, and then we had to go up.
0: Yeah. Back, uh, back uphill to camp Every, every day. time. Every time uphill to camp.
2: Yeah,
1: that sucked. That, that was, was a bad awful. one. I don't know why, like I felt that one worse than I did the first day. Like it was just
2: a lot. A lot of hiking. Yeah, and but you, then our trip was done. We, we shot four bulls, five days.
0: Four bulls, five days. And, and our you guys, trip was, every time you guys harvested a caribou, it was double up. Yeah, Even mm-hmm. when doubled up on bows, which is crazy. That's yeah. an action packed day.
2: It was a full day. Then the next day, just blue sky, sunny. We were on cloud nine thinking, oh, we are living now. We got yeah. all, everyone filled our tags. We're going to go clean up my bowl, get it back to camp, call our transporter, get picked up, head home. That was not the case. Not the case. Almost. We almost did it, but, because I could, I had my garment out there and I kept checking the weather and like I knew, like I could see we had some shitty weather coming. Yep. And, like, they came and they could only pick up two. So then, like, Luke and my brother got out with their meat. And, I'm like, I was hoping they could come back that afternoon and get us. Never did. And once that didn't happen, I was looking at the weather. I told her, I said,
0: We're it looks like out. it's going to rain for days. Days. Tighten down that tent.
1: Mm-hmm. And we did. We spent, you and I spent two days, two and a half
2: days.
0: Yeah. So you guys spent two and a half full days by yourself.
2: Mm-hmm. and in the, the shitty tent. part was like those two days it wasn't like we couldn't do anything like you go outside and it's just
0: rainy foggy couldn't see yeah you can't even enjoy the scenery you can't go for a walk you couldn't
2: like go like look at more caribou or yeah yeah you couldn't see 200 yards we had wolf tags
1: yeah I had wolf tags but didn't see did see a track yeah yeah but never I mean you couldn't see I'll bet you couldn't see 300 yards those two days it was just socked in just Jeez. pouring absolutely
2: stuck
0: and that's when you probably put that game plan together of things I should have brought with. Yes, so bored.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were bored, and then uh, and then it's get, like it's a lot of back and forth with your transporter. Like, hey, when do you think we can get picked up? And they're like, I don't know. And like, there's you never really got an answer.
0: Yeah, because like, yeah, they probably any... don't know either. No, like, the, the weather no could be different where they're at. They're trying to look at the weather where you are. And then they also
2: out. have other people like have been waiting trying to get out yeah. which is probably like more important to them so like our our like us being prioritized to get out was like at the bottom
0: yeah you guys already succeeded too so right. it's like when you get us when you get out mm-hmm.
1: yeah i think the day he did get picked up they kind of showed up they'd said yeah maybe maybe in the afternoon um it was really really windy that day but it was fairly clear yeah and he he, it was like what two thirty three in the afternoon on that third day that you and I had been together. Yeah. And he just we heard a plane and looked up and here he come <laughs> and he landed and yeah. we both walked up and he was like yeah you know we'll get your stuff and so we were loading Neville and I think Neville came back down the hill and he was like
2: we can only take one one of you. What was the reason behind that? Too much weight. Because of the Cause wind. Because we, we had the added weight of two caribou. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and, and the he's wind. Like, and he's like I don't know if I can take off. Because, like, it would have been fine if it was a normal day, like, all, I mean, Josh and Luke and those guys did the same thing, but yep. it, he said it was too windy that day that he was worried about taking off. Mm-hmm. And, like, we're on a hill. It's so like, taking off is like you're driving off the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> hmm
1: Yeah, so he said, we can take one. I was like, well, what do you want to do? And he's like, I don't know. What do you, I was like, well, let's just, we'll rochambeau for it. and yep. see who gets to go. We did rock, paper,
2: scissors crushed him
0: <laughs> <laughs> best of best, of three, did I we hope, do best
2: we? of three i think we just did one, one. boom I, killed I, him all right <laughs> later loser <laughs> See you, Trail. yeah
1: Dude, he was
0: he was out of there just that quick he was like i am gone so yeah we loaded him up and away he went what was your thought then trail so neville's gone you had a horrible weather window it took oh. you some days well like, every
2: time every time somebody got picked up that it, it was always this we'll get you
0: Oh yeah, yeah. We're I'll tell we're,
2: you. we're dropping these guys off. We'll come get you after we drop them off. Yep. Yeah,
1: so he told me, I'll be back to get you tonight. He's like, tear the tent down, have the tent, everything, all your gear loaded up on top, ready to go. So I was like, Okay, so they peeled out, took off, and that's what I did. I broke the tent down, got it completely loaded, all my gear, had everything up on the you know, up on the landing strip and you know, I waited till it was probably 10, 10:30. I was like, yeah, there's definitely no way they're coming back. And so, I just set the tent back up.
0: And oh, you to set it back up yeah, again. Yeah, put,
1: put the tent back up, and then that time I just moved it kind of off the edge of the the runway there, where I thought he could still land. <laughs> but yeah, I just set the tent back up and pulled my sleeping bag and everything back out and climbed back in the tent. So what else can you do?
0: And then you're there
1: yeah then i'm there and you know i'm doing the same thing i'm looking at weather on my garmin checking it and i'm going you know there's no way that he's getting back in here tomorrow
0: and probably not the next day and probably not the next day and and you guys mentioned you're running out of battery packs at this point so you have your cell phone and you're in reach
1: yeah i had my cell phone which i would turn off other than when i had to message i accidentally took your charger yeah
2: yeah i didn't i didn't have it oh, char- like the cord I took his brick Yeah, he oh, because wow. we're down to one brick yeah. and I was using it at the time. And like, I thought we we're both getting out, you know, we're packing up, like we're both getting out and I just threw it in my backpack and I get back and I'm like, oh shit. Gerald <laughs> doesn't have any juice out there. Yeah. Took, took the brick. I
1: had the solar panel. So I think the second day I was in there, I had sun, but it was still pretty windy. And it's like, you're saying they were getting bad weather where they were at, but for mm. where I was at, it was pretty clear. But they couldn't, you know, get in and out. Obviously, yep. but I was able to charge my phone that day um, to about three quarters with my solar panel, so it was good that I had that. Um, but yeah, I think like the issues for me were, you know, I was low on fuel. So I think, like I said earlier, you know, Chris had said earlier, we we did not take enough fuel. <laughs> yeah. So towards that. What that second day, about noon, I was like, I'm going to use the rest of the fuel I've got and I'm going to cook like a whole backstrap. Yeah. Because if I'm here for another four or five days, like at least I'll have backstrap to eat. So I did. I cut up a backstrap and cooked a whole backstrap with the fuel I had left.
0: <laughs> Fat and happy. Yeah.
1: And then I had, as far as food goes, I mean, I'd, I'd taken what kind of like one bag, I think, of what Chris had had left. Because yeah, towards the end, you were running
2: out of food. You were yeah, eating my shit.
1: When, when he picked me up, I had uh, a pro bar. I had one pro bar and I had a packet of those energy chews, those goo chews. Yeah. And I had backstrap and that was it. So
0: you're rationing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That last day, like I had kind of just eaten meat, you know, which was okay. I didn't have anywhere to go really. I I took some short hikes out to the ridge and I hiked down a couple different times and got water. You know, I sat there in glass caribou
0: and you didn't sit down and start writing your life story like you're never coming out of there you want to leave a note to someone <laughs> you love like <laughs> keep I, it under a rock <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I never got to that point I
1: never I don't know like I I don't know people I, I've hunted alone alone a lot it's you just know this, yeah very similar so, to that so three days on my own you know where I've got a nice tent and I've got some food it wasn't really like I wasn't down in the mouth that much, you know? Yeah, and
0: everyone doing it where you're at. Like, if your in-reach died, eventually there's going to be people coming no matter yeah. what. Like, I
1: mean, I did want to get out. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like, I was definitely ready to get out. Like, I was texting him every day being like, hey, what are the chances I get out today? You know, and when he was like, doesn't look good, I was like, shit, you know? I was bummed out because I did, I did want to go. But, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I had shelter and I had some food and had a nice warm sleeping bag. And I just... I hung out in camp. I worked on the the cape. You know, I got a lot of the meat off of that. I cleaned up the skull plate really, really good. Got that completely cleaned out and ready to go. Uh, I think I walked to the ridge, the the main ridge that we were camped on. I walked to the end of that one day and sat in glass and, you know, filmed caribou and looked at caribou. And then, then, like I said, I walked into the bottom, got some water a couple different times. But a lot of it was just – I think I read the book again, so I think I read that book twice while I was up there. (laughs) Um, just moping around, just you? moping, <laughs> <laughs> just being bored. <laughs> and that's the other thing is like, I didn't, it's not like I could, you know, in reach people and just like have a conversation all day. Cause I was worried about power and losing power. So, yep. and I, I tried to save that as much as I could, but I, it wasn't too, too crazy. Just, just camping at that point. Yep. <laughs> just living life. Just camping.
2: Just uh, camping.
1: The third day when he came, I will say like that day I got up and I was like, there's no chance that he's getting me today. Cause like, I couldn't see a hundred yards. Like it was socked in. I messaged him and was like, what do you think? And he's like, oh, I don't know. I'm going to get up and go fly in here in a minute and I'll let you know. And I was
2: like, I can't believe he's going flying. Like, you know, there's no chance. I remember though. It was always cause like, I mean, you're, you're 60 miles, 70 miles from where they're taking off and like, mm-hmm is the weather different over there? You know what I mean? Like you never really understood like the weather and if it was different from what they're seeing, like what you're seeing.
1: Yeah. Every day I would get up and I would throw everything. I would have everything packed other than the tent just in case he showed up, you know? And that's what happened that day that he showed up and picked me up was I had everything packed, ready to go. And then I got a message from him and he was like, hey, I'm going to try to make it out to you. And that was like at two or maybe one or two in the afternoon. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll be ready. And so here here he come, you know. And even that day, I don't know if he should have landed or not because it was still so socked in. I could hear the plane. It was pretty cool. I'd never heard of this. But what he did was he just flew circles around the hill there, and he just was stirring up all that fog and kind of moving it Hmm. to a point to where he could see the hill. And he landed, and I got everything loaded, and we sat there for a minute, and he was like... I don't know. He's like, we may end up having to set that tent up again. And I was like, really? (laughs) He's like, I don't know. I don't know. And then he's like looking at it and he's looking at his GPS. And I remember at one point we were sitting there in the cockpit and it kind of started to rain a little bit again. And he's like, do you think we can make it? And I was like, I don't know. I'm not a a pilot. (laughs) I'm like, I don't know, man. And he's like, how do you feel about like flying in this? And I was like, well, you know, you got your GPS and you can see the lay of the land. You know that we have this big drainage. I said, you know, if you feel like you can fly right down that and just follow the contours, sure, let's do it. So away we went.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. but It was a little sketchy. Yeah. Yeah. And that was just back there vibing with the locals.
2: Yeah. What'd you do all while I was gone? I was sitting in Kotzebue at some lady's house. Basically it was, it was, some lady had this huge house and she would just rent out rooms to hunters that were in town waiting yep. for weather. So I was sitting in this lady's house waiting for trail, messaging trail with, I mean, there was a bunch of other hunters in there too. So like, you had things to do. Yeah. I mean, it was still kind of the similar, like you're the town you're in, there's not a lot to do. I was so, surprised he stayed, to be
1: honest. I, I half expected like to land in Cots and just like, because I couldn't get a hold of him for some reason. His in reach and mine weren't talking to each other. Yeah. Um, I could talk to the people at the hangar, but I couldn't talk to him. But I was like, I was thinking, oh, he'll catch a flight. Like, sure, he'll just catch a flight because you know I figured I'd I'd get out and he'd keep in touch. But I just hung he, out at Cots. Wow.
2: Walked hung around. Out. I did the same thing Trill did, but I was just in some. Tiny town in the middle of Alaska. You
0: didn't find any spot to go fishing. Nothing You've been to go fishing the whole time.
2: Nothing. <laughs> I should have. They didn't even have any bars in this town. Nothing. Ooh. Yeah,
1: he just hung tight. But when he, when we landed, when I landed, we we got the caribou out. Man, we we deboned it just like that. I mean, we went through that thing so quick. Deboned it. We got a flight that day.
2: Yeah, we flew out that day he landed. Mm-hmm.
1: Hmm. And then landed in Vegas the next day.
0: Yep. What an adventure.
1: Yeah.
2: It was a riot. The,
0: the land of opportunity, cool place. Talking Astro about it, I want to go man. again now. I know. No, I'm just excited. Everyone again.
2: should go hunt in Alaska. If you hunt, everyone should do it at least
0: once in their life. I just want to know why I didn't get invited on this. I you think know? you got invited. Did you I, get invited. Maybe I did. Not allowed, Britty. Not allowed. That was a bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> this was <archery> our treat Yeah. <laughs> These aren't mule deer, that's why. That's true. You guys that want to bring a boomstick up nope. there.
1: <laughs> no mule deer up there.
0: Right. And you guys got to uh, test out the brand new Matthews bows too on that. They weren't even released yet.
2: Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, we had the prototypes, the, the V3X. Yep. Which, if you do watch the film, we're doing a giveaway on our website with the with the film. We're giving away two brand new V3X bows, and there's details on that landing page that we have the video on on also how to ways enter. It. Yeah, <laughs> which Pretty is simple. a great bow. Yeah. So get in there get entered in to win, you might win two bows or I guess you'd win one. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Or you might win two. (laughs) Who
2: knows? (laughs) If you're lucky.
1: (laughs) You have to be really lucky. Yes. But... It was um, good. Do we want to know, do we want to talk at all about that area being closed off?
2: Oh, yeah. We could mention that. Yeah, so we... Because I have got a lot of questions like what transporter you used and I told everyone like this transporter but unfortunately that area now is off limits.
1: Yeah, so we hunted an area... um, there's a couple of areas up there um, that have since been, had public access to you know, public land, um, a, a national wildlife refuge, and then also BLM. Um, essentially it's closed off to non subsistence hunters. Mm-hmm. So they made that vote um, just this last year and then uh, it's through 2023. So they'll vote again, they'll look at it again in 2024 uh, to see if they reopen that. So, um, you know, unfortunately, neville and i may be some of the last guys to get a chance to go up and and do that hunt for a few years and hopefully it'll it'll open back up that's wild um a lot of the you know the state game and fish are you know they were definitely not in support of closing it uh they would like to see access continue as would we uh you know that opportunity is so good and i would i would hate to see people miss out on that opportunity to go up and hunt um they, you know, they kill maybe non-residents kill maybe three to four hundred bulls a year out of a herd that's right around two hundred thousand. Uh, herd has been declining a little bit. Um, a lot of the science points to the fact that maybe warming, you know, is, has an issue with that. So maybe less water, less, you know, less snow to push those bulls or, or those caribou out to areas that those subsistence hunters can get to them easily. Um, But hopefully, yeah, hopefully that herd, you know, grows, hopefully subsistence hunters still get an opportunity to fill their tag because, you know, they live on that. And, you know, I I respect that. I understand that completely, but I would, I would hate to see public access lost to to that herd, to, to people. So hopefully that gets reversed, in my opinion, in 2024 and people can get back there and go hunting, but...
2: Crazy. There's still a lot of other opportunities. A lot of other
1: opportunities I would say if you're looking to go on, you know, even even look at those transporters out of Cotsabie and just, you know, pick their brains. See what they think. Yeah. You know, there's there's other areas, you know, north end of the brooks can still, you know, be good. You can still find transporters. You just got to do the legwork. Do some digging.
0: Hmm. Digging on some insider mm-hmm. information, find some good honey holes. North to Alaska. <laughs> We're going north. <laughs> What was that song? North to Alaska. <laughs> north to Alaska. <laughs> north to Alaska.
2: Da, 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 da. Where'd you get that from? I found, When I was playing
0: for that hunt, I looked it up and found it on Spotify. There you go. You guys should have downloaded that and listened to it the entire time. You're we I did. It I
2: listened to it a lot. We should have put it on the soundtrack.
0: You guys could be made your own music video for it. In
2: the credits. We'll cut to it right now. Boom. Cut to it. Boom.
1: It was fun, oh. it was fun though. Hunt of a lifetime.
0: Hunt of a lifetime. Head north. Go to Alaska. I think that's a good wrap-up point. I'm super jealous. Definitely, like you said, after talking about this, hearing it all, it's just all around a a super cool adventure, from logistics to getting up there to adventure, the unknown, the weather. You know, you guys didn't run into any bears, but you saw some bears, so that's cool. Mm -hmm. You all took caribou. Had a blast. Yep.
1: I would say, you know, everybody should
0: planning to do a caribou hunt and it's pretty affordable too especially when you get a bunch of guys going together split costs and do it and like i said the Alaska airlines credit card method and
2: yeah yeah also let us know how you guys like this episode we're kind of playing around with the idea after we come out with the going original once a month following it with a a podcast episode breaking down whoever was in the hunt kind of getting some more in-depth details about about that hunt and what you think so we'd love to hear some feedback and comments Mm -hmm. if you guys enjoyed this episode or not but other than that, unless you hated it, yeah. you just keep that to yourself. Keep that to yourself. Take off Neville. He fucking sucks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: Punch that guy right in the face. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was fun guys. you going to hang cool. out in the sky dome too. This is the exact, uh, sounds like,
1: like campfire still,
0: still does. Also let us
2: know if, how you like our new podcast setup And if this should be our, our podcast studio going
0: forward. I kind of dig the vibes in here. We just got to figure out why this black bear that we have on the ground doesn't have any paws. (laughs) We got Nubby the black bear on the ground. Nubs. Nubs. I think it's a California black bear, so maybe they (laughs) couldn't export out claws out of California. Must be. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: But, yeah, appreciate you, boys. And if you haven't checked out the film, Nothing But Daylight on YouTube. If you have any questions on these guys, on any of the stuff they brought, gear-wise, logistics. Again, we covered a lot of it here, but definitely just drop comments on YouTube or – even drop comments on the website on the article and trail and Neville will definitely get back to you guys. Cool. Yes, sir. Appreciate you boys. Catch you on the flip side. Peace.